You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. All right, we want to welcome everyone to the latest and greatest edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. My name is Eugene Pitchford, and I have the pleasure of working, collaborating, arguing, all this crazy stuff. Steve Garner, what's going on, Steve? Glad to be here. Glad we have our listeners back with us. We have a great audience. Sometimes we forget to uh, just what a wonderful audience that we do have around the world, definitely around in most every state, I believe. We're probably missing, like, are we missing like a Maine or a Vermont? No, you know what's crazy is those checking the, um, just going through some things for uh, the podcast. And so, you know, through Podbean, you can look all that stuff up. We like we got listeners in Montana. Nice. Like it's the crazy. It's like the craziest thing. Like they should be listening in Montana. They should be, but they should be. They sh- they should be, and, and we appreciate them. And so we listener. There's a, there was also some listeners from Singapore, which I thought was pretty cool. So, all right. So so Steve, this is, and, and we're Facebook live too. So you guys are actually getting this live. It'll probably come out in a week. Uh, in podcast format, but you're actually getting this live. Um, so this is part five of a series that we are concluding today. And it's for a word that we developed for reopening of schools, regardless if you're face-to-face, hybrid, or online. And it's coined Renew. And today, we're going to talk about the W in Renew. What's the plan? Before we get to the W of what's the plan, Steve, can you give us the R, the E, the N, and the E? So we have relationships. That was the R. We talked about the positive relationships and how that was crucial, whether it's culturally relevant materials and projects, family goals, relationships are key. They're always key, but more than ever, they are extremely important. The E is expert in communication. Communication is imperative. There's a lot of challenges going on. It's a two-way street where parents have to communicate with the teacher and the teacher has to communicate with the parent as well. The N is need technology. We talked about students need to have the Wi-Fi laptops ready to go. They need to Be familiar with what the teacher is doing as far as online grading, virtual learning activities, and a lot of the daily resources. The E is emphasis on health. So we talked about the whole idea of this standardized cleanliness, the visuals, if there's temperature checks, hand sanitizers, social distancing. We talked about all that. And then we went into, which is very important, the mental health aspect of all this with students and teachers. And today, you wanna tee it up for today? All right, so today we're going with the W, what's the plan? And this is, I mean, each each one of these is is essential, but 
for parents who have multiple children, it's important that you know the school's plan. You know, on the prior show, you know, I, I, I told Steve that in our household, we have all three examples of the formats for learning for the fall. One of us will be fully face-to-face, -face, one of us will be hybrid, and one of us will be fully online. And as a family, you have to know the format your school is operating under so you can make the proper adjustments. And it goes beyond, like, what are they doing in school? Like, how is after-school activities going to work? How is the yellow bus going to work? Um, school supplies, is that altered? Um, lunch, how will lunch be served? Like, all of those things you need to know because it's going to impact your child. Um, so are that's you getting that information now. Do you feel comfortable that you are getting that information? It depends. Like for my house, it depends on the school. It depends on the district. Some are ahead of the game, and some are behind the curve. Uh, it 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 feels like they're making this up as they go. Um, so our household maybe like many others we just the quicker we know whether we agree or disagree it gives us it gives us a chance on our side now to plan and figure it out and you have older children that that can be independent somewhat where i really which is a struggle in and of itself but then i think about the the young families where they have a kindergarten student a first grader third grader and they have to figure out how, how do you tell the work, I may need to be home with my children or to daycare. You may have another two children that need to be in daycare, but then how do they continue with the learning? I, I can't imagine that conversation. Like that, that has Very to be difficult. That has to be tough. And, you know, in cases like that, you hope you have other family members that can help out support. Grandparents, aunt, uncle, maybe older brother, older sister, you know, a trusted neighbor. Uh, who may be going through the same thing, but like as 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 parents, we have to understand the plan. Like, just don't take verbatim what the plan is. Like, dig in, dig into it. Um, as we talked on the on the on the last show, for one of my children, they do have an online option, but that online option is so jaded. It's like, why would anybody choose the online option? Or I'll give you another district, for example, and I've heard this a couple times now. There are several districts that, that are completely virtual, but they are letting limited numbers of students back into, back into the building that don't have, that, that it doesn't work for their family at all. Like, like it's, it's a super small number. So you, you gotta dig in to completely understand the process. And so hopefully a show like ours um, when you keep hearing this over and over, hopefully inspire someone to take a, a digger, a, 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 a bigger, deeper dive into the information. What is the best way, what would you suggest for school districts, for teachers to get out the information to parents? What is the best format? Text, email, phone, flyers. I would do all of it. I would, I would give overkill 
And at some point that is time intensive and it may be a cost to it, but you do have some that respond to text. You do have some that only respond to emails. You do some you can call. Like it just really depends on uh, the parent's preference, but I would get it out every, every format humanly possible. The problem with that is it changes, right? So now you yeah, right. develop a flyer, you develop, you sent out a text message, and then that's what parents and students are going with. And then two weeks later, it, it needs to change due to some health concern or something that went on, and now you have them printed up. So it really, yeah, you're stuck either you way. Things out. I don't know if you can give the information. I almost believe the best format would be something that you could change. So maybe it's the website, but then you have to make sure that everyone's looking at that to, to see what the latest update is. I, I yeah, that, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, no matter what format you use, the information may change. Um, but I will say, I will say this about schools and families. I really do appreciate the districts and school entities that took the time to get parents' opinion. Because that didn't happen everywhere. So the surveys that districts sent out? Yeah. APS, Racine, Kenosha, uh, some of the private schools did it. But everybody didn't do it. Every district or private entity didn't do it. And I think it's important to get the pulse of your families. Because you could say, we're going face-to-face. And these families could say, we're not sending them. You got a problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do appreciate getting the survey, getting the feedback, allowing you to have a voice. Was there, did you hear about anything besides surveying? Did you hear of anything else? Probably the quickest way to, to get a glimpse of what's out there is to give a quick survey. But did you hear of any other ways in which districts were getting parent feedback or student feedback? Sur- surveys, from everything I'm hearing, surveys appear to be like the tool that they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe parents were brutally honest in whatever they felt. Um, and, it, and the survey doesn't lead you to one path or the other. It genuinely seeks your opinion. Um, I'm just disappointed with the schools that didn't do, that, that have no way of knowing what the parent body wants. That's, that's, that is a school district or a school system or a private entity that concerns me. I would agree with that. I, I th- there's an easy way to get some feedback. I was thinking even you could make some uh, communication by making some phone calls, doing some other ways to make sure you're getting the pro- proper feedback. Absolutely. And, or, even, or even advisory teams. Like if, even if you don't, well, I, you have to survey the parents. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason you choose to do other then the next step will be advisory teams with, with some parents. Yeah. Uh, it, it, has to, it, it, it has to happen. I like um, that. What, what about both? Where you have your survey out and from that, you come up with teams and, and part of those teams to advise would be parents and students 
on those teams. I think that's that's a really good idea. That could be done right now for schools. The only the only potential flaw, and we would never know sitting here. But you know this as well as I know this. Sometimes when you get advisory teams and task force, nothing comes from their suggestions. So you would just hope that those entities are able to influence change or able to influence policy one way, one way or another. Yeah, I think that's a fear that a lot of people have when they, that would prevent them from having something like an advisory team is they would go, well, we don't want them making a decision or what if we don't go with what they recommend? Is it, it could be worse than if not having something at all. But I, but we could, we could set that up. You, where you say it is advisory, you, you do give your advice. We don't necessarily won't look at it as agenda items, but you do, we do value your input. That goes a long ways as far as partnering up with parents in the community. Right, because you're also seeing this now, like the advisory piece, you're also seeing this as a route for school entities that also struggle with racial issues at their school. And I know that's not the topic for today, but that seems to be the go-to the go-to response. Well, we're going to have an advisory team to talk about race or whatever, whatever, whatever the hot topic is. And so sometimes it just comes off as unsincere and you just hope you're not being used as part of that process. If it's set up well, if it provides a legitimate voice, it can be beneficial. Sure. Sure. Steve, so we're looking at plans. We have all three plans on the table in our state and probably many states. From what you're hearing, because we're often in different groups, is there a preferred plan between face-to-face, hybrid, and online? Preferred plan, no. So it's all over the map? It's all over the map. It's, it's local, education's local, much like they say politics is local, so is education. And that's important that it is local so you can have the decision makers at the, at the local level making these decisions. You wouldn't want the national government, you wouldn't want the state to make this. I, I believe the power needs to rest in the local districts as much as possible to make these decisions. It depends on the community, it depends on there, are, there is politics involved. It depends on the politics of the community and the school district. Let me ask you the reverse question. On the safety. Is there a plan that you're hearing that people don't want? No, no. I, all the feedback I'm getting is they're really tailoring everything to that specific school district and community and the parent input. It, it, it should be really a strong program coming to the schools and for the children because we had we had march when everyone was taken by surprise and went we're not we've never been in this situation we had to pivot rather quickly now since march there's lots of planning lots of professional development how to 
make lessons engaging virtually. A lot of different systems are put in place. If, we, if you start face-to-face, -face, how do you go virtually? A lot of Wi-Fi connections, laptops purchased. I believe everybody's ready for this and the issue will be coming communication and how quickly you can pivot as you see things. So if I have five, 10 students or five, 10 teachers that, that get sick, how quickly can I pivot? What's the next game plan after that? So I believe we'll have a really strong start and then the successful districts and schools will be the ones that can pivot to their next plan and then the next plan and the next plan and keep modifying according to what happens in their district. When I think of what's the plan, I typically go to face-to-face -face or completely online. I typically skip over the hybrid scenarios. So when I'm thinking of what's the plan, the one question I have right now is similar to what you just said. What would it take for your district or your school to land in completely online? Like, where's the measure? I don't it's, think anybody wants to give those numbers out. I know, but, but when I think of the plan, that's when I think of face-to-face, -face, that's where I go. And then when I go to online, what's the plan? My number one question is specifically, what's going to be different with engagement? on of, of learning online those those are my two main questions that i'm considering um i don't and i don't know why i skip over hybrid every single time when i'm thinking about what's the plan but i honestly do but those are my, my two questions like what's the measure what's the measure face to face and then what's going to be different in online online education because like you said we've had since march now to live in that space and think about that space you won't get a number from schools or school leaders on what it takes to go from face to face to virtual but they need to know that even if they don't tell me and you they need to know it i'm not sure they know it i don't know if they could know it if if three teachers get sick within the first week, that may be different than if three teachers get sick and it's right before Christmas, right? So the intensity changes. The farther you can go into the school calendar, things change versus if it comes right in the first couple of weeks. Right. So I, I think the numbers would become artificial and, and not you wouldn't want to be locked into those as a school leader. So I, I think that's a good question, but the question will remain unanswered. But one that you definitely need to think through as a school leader. The other, the other point you were talking about, your second question was, what was that referencing? That was- The second one was for the places that are online, what are we doing different? Oh. Now, cause, cause you, you talked about that, but I'm gonna be honest with you. And it's, they don't have to tell me cause I don't work for their districts or to their private school entities but I have not heard one person say we're going to do it this way, or we're going to change this. Like I haven't heard it from anyone. And I'm not saying people don't have a plan. It's they're not telling no one. And I think as a parent, 
especially if you were concerned about about your child being engaged online during like late March, April, May, maybe early June, I would think an informed parent would ask that same question. It's not just me and you. I think an informed parent would be, when is work due? What platform are we using? Uh, how often would a class meet? The duration of the time, like um, how, how will students get feedback? How do they contact the teacher? Like these are all things I think parents need to know as part of the plan. So let's let's take your your questions there. If we're at face to face, are those questions answered in a face to face model? Many cases, yes. Some cases, so, no. I, I think they're answered. I what's happening is teachers are working extremely hard now. They have the face-to-face, -face, they're tweaking that. Then they're, then they're figuring out how do we go to, if we're using Google Classrooms, the online grading, uh, all the learning activities online, they're getting training and all of that. And then they're deciding how does this change if we start face-to-face -face and then we have, to, we have to go to online. So they're working inside their plans three different ways. Extremely difficult to do. So I, I believe they have the, they have it, they're working on it, they, they feel good about it. The idea of what's the plan, is the communication out there yet? That's probably not as much, but I, I'm feeling confident with what I'm, what I'm seeing and hearing as far as the teachers being ready to go. Now, I'm sure they're ready. It's just the parent also has to get ready. And correct, correct. The, the, the one thing that to me COVID-19 has taught us is for many students, especially in online learning, if the parent is not knowledgeable of the plan, the child will not log into Google Classroom, the child will not log into Zoom, no work is being done because the adult doesn't know the plan. Now, could that happen face-to-face? -face? Absolutely. But I think it's increased in an in a, in a online platform. And I just say, make it easy as possible. You get homework on this date, this date. All right, we log in this expectations, time. Your expectations as a parent is you want to know that it's the first week of August. You still have four weeks before a lot of schools start. You want to know that now as a parent. I want to know that right now as a parent because that will allow me to make adjustments because I may work second shift or I may work first shift. So whoever I'm dealing with also has to, whoever is helping watch or oversee has to know these things also. And, it, and also I can start drilling this into my child's head. This is what your day is gonna look like, but we can actually walk through it. We could just practice. So yeah, I would, I would like to know those things sooner than later as a, as a parent to make this thing work. That's a valid point. Probably the schools, are sitting there going, we'd love to get that information out, but what if, what if it changes next week? Or what if the state, whatever state you're in, what if the state says we are going all online and you don't have a choice? So right. I, right. I think schools are being hesitant right now. And that's happened here to where there were schools prepared, and these are more on the private side, schools prepared to go face-to-face. -face. We're talking the state of Wisconsin. Right. Schools were prepared to go face-to-face. -face. 
And then the mandate came down that no schools in the county could go face to face. So right there is one change. And then it changed again to where you could potentially open with some restrictions. So I get what you're saying about the plans changing. And I think that's definitely a real thing. But I also have a, a strong belief that parents understand things change by the minute. Like I, I do think parents get that. But keep the parents a part of that process. I would agree. They need to be part of the process. I just believe that Eugene Pitchford the third would be extremely upset if he if he heard one plan and the district comes out with it and he's reading about it and he adjusts his work schedule. He adjusts the people who are working with his children on homework. He adjusts his wife's schedule. And then two weeks later, they say, you know what? We're going to scrap that idea. We're going into a different, a different plan. You'd be more upset that way. So I, what schools are doing is they're, they're making decisions going, we should communicate this. It's best practices to get this information out. We're going to hold off because we feel it'd be more upsetting for parents and others in the community if we said something and then went back on it or, or totally changed it. Hey, I got a question for you. I have the answer. Do you think, and this could be schools going straight online or straight face-to-face, -face, do you think there's any school, do you think there's any school that's losing enrollment because of the plan? And what I say by that is they going face-to-face. -face, nah, I prefer online. Or it's all online. Let me find a school that's face-to-face. -face. Like, do, do you see movement because of the plan? My, my gut tells me, my, my brain tells me there absolutely is movement because of the plan. But it may be more of communication than the plan almost what to your previous point as a parent you want to know the plan you want to know the plan then you're hearing about another school out here and their plans laid out a little a lot more in detail a lot more in depth and you're talking to your neighbors and they're explaining their school and what they're going to do and you're getting frustrated so it may be that communication is failing which makes a parent make a decision to move to a different school than they actually plan. Right. Which goes back to another point is the communication is so essential. We talked about this in the past. Communicate, over-communicate, because you do not want parents right now being in that unknown. There's so many question marks already, but if you had a weekly update, here's where we're at this week. Love your child, can't wait to be in front of your child this is what the exciting things we're getting ready for if that comes out weekly at least there's a connection point when it's silent for a month when it's silent for six weeks that's what's going to make parents upset uncertain and want to move to a different school so i don't know if it's necessary to plan i believe there's failure at schools to communicate or failure on other aspects and then they look around the corner, they see something else and go, that's, that's better. I'm hearing that from my neighbor and my loved ones. It's, it's, you know, it's so tricky. That's why the plan is important. Like these are really difficult times to be an educator. 
And you know, I, I love to tell educators that none of this is your fault. Uh, the health situation is not your fault. People getting sick is not your fault. But educators carry the brunt of when it when it doesn't when it doesn't work right, and I think that's just part of the game, unfortunately. Um, when I talk to educators, I always say it's Eugene's fault. Hey, you got to put it on somebody. You, you can put it. You yeah. can put it on my shoulders. I, I, I I'll, put it on your shoulders. Yeah, you can put it on my shoulders. I will definitely. I, I will. I will definitely take that. Um, but we want these educators to stay encouraged, and outside of having a plan of like face to face or online, like hybrid, whatever you're doing, I think a piece that's that may have been missing is we all need to sell our individual classroom plans mm -hmm. uh, of, of motivation, checking in, uh, you know, office hours. Now, that, that may be less on the K-12 side, but like office hours, just, just ways in which we can talk if, if, if things aren't working right. You know, one of the questions that I had I don't know if it's split in hairs or not, but many, many districts, talking online now, many districts have said, we're going to wait till the first marking period. Some have, we're going to do the first half of the year online. Um, and I, I often think as a parent, is it easier to say, is it easier to maneuver first marking period or half the year if you do half the year regardless if it gets better or worse you know that measure you know that takes you to christmas vacation it's going to be like this you say the first marking period depending on your district that could be six weeks seven weeks four weeks um remember the hope is to get them there the hope is that you get that high-performing teacher, that loving teacher, that incredibly strong teacher in front of your child face-to-face -face for six, seven hours or more a day. So that's where everybody wants to go at. So when they say marking period, they're hoping and hoping that it can go to a, a full classroom with the loving teacher, high-performing teacher in there. So I don't necessarily I, criticize districts. No, I'm not criticizing. It's just... The, the, but the question is on the table. Is it easier just to have a standoff date of Christmas vacation as, as the measure for should we go back or should we? Easier for parents or easier for the district? For parents. Oh, I see what you're saying. So parents, yeah, I get what you're saying for planning purposes and, and being able to figure out with work. Right. But don't you think parents would be relieved if they go – Absolutely. It's, it's the green period and we're back and everybody has a big party and let's, let's Absolutely. go at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man. I would love to be in a school the first day back. I mean, it's going to be so magical for schools that are online. Um, but it's also going to be magical for the schools going back this fall face to face. You know, I definitely want, you know, they're probably not having visitors around, but I would love just to feel the energy of a building. Let me ask you this, Steve. Why do you think we're hearing less about hybrid versions? 
It's either it's either face to face or online. Why do you think we're hearing less for like know. plan two? I don't know. I might push back on you on, on that. I, I do hear about the hybrid models because they're offering great flexibility. I'm hearing lots of districts saying. So the, you think that's more parents, of a suburban? A, you think that's more of a suburban uh, reality than a city reality for hybrid models? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I, the, city, the city model is a little more confusing because when anytime you're talking larger urban districts, uh, you have to move along a little bit more together, I would say. And, and that's just harder to do as you're due to size. But I do hear a lot about the hybrid model because they're giving parents an option. And I believe it's a good option in this time to say, how does it work for your family? And then they set up a date to say, if you wanna start virtual, you can go back into face-to-face by like you mentioned, the first grading period, by Christmas, and vice versa. If you started face-to-face, you can go on online and change as well. So I, I'm hearing it, you're right. I, there is a difference between the urban and suburban with that. Because I don't hear it that much. I hear people either want face-to-face or online. I haven't heard too many families or students to say, you know what, I prefer the hybrid model. I just haven't. Just haven't heard it, so I'm glad you're able to to talk on that, um, because that's just not I haven't, I haven't I haven't heard that one haven't heard that one too much. And when you say you're hearing that, is that is that for the younger grades or is that for the whole district? The ones that I'm hearing it from the whole district. Okay. The whole district's giving that um, option, and, and it's it's an option to make sure that they're much like a survey going out to the parents. It's, it's really saying we have to personalize learning for each family situation. And I like that. I like the personalized because that's a, that's a, an end product of what we're seeing with a positive end product of what we're seeing with COVID. So later on, we're going to a couple months out of, out of this or into this, however you want to state it, we're going to have to look at what's the positives. How did this change education for the good? How did it change education that's not positive? But one of the positive things is this personalized learning. If we can get to that approach of saying, Eugene is a different learner than Steve, and we're going to personalize the process for both of those students and their families, that's a very positive sign for education. I'll give you one thing I was thinking about. It's actually kind of funny, but it's not funny. Especially for online settings. There should not be any behavior referrals written up. <laughs> it's going to totally skew any form of data. Like I know districts spend a lot of time and money on behavioral strategies and uh, infinite, you know, buying license licenses to track data and all the behavioral data. It's almost like testing data. Uh, like we should, we should be in the clear, like, like we should be in the clear uh, for incident referrals, at least online, unless someone does something stupid, but we should like, it, it should skew. There's an outlier right now. We, we got to enjoy the space. Every school should be marketing 
we have no incident referrals. If you go online, you're still going to have referrals to behavioral comments made online in the online community. So I'm in fifth grade and my teacher's bringing us all online together. I may say some things about Eugene in the chat, in the chat session that would get me a, a referral. So you'll have them, but your point is they're going to be greatly, greatly reduced. It's going to be a good selling point. You got you to find, if, if you have to manufacture a win, that's an area you can, we, we all can easily, easily. Instead of the student getting up out of your classroom and taking a walk, they may just get up out of your Zoom conference and, and take a walk out of your Zoom class. Let, let me say this one, because this is one that I hear a lot, at least in the city. What are we doing for special education students? That's a tough one. That's a tough one, especially once you get to the hybrid and online. That's when you have potentially educational civil wars of the best format to meet their academic and or IEP needs. Um, once again, for me, I haven't heard of too many places that have either shared a plan or even talk about it. I know they have to talk about it. Like, I, I know they do because you don't want to get sued. And I'm not just because you don't want to get sued, but you want to do right by the kids. But I, I haven't heard of, I haven't heard that conversation anywhere. That's very difficult. We could think of all the resources between the physical resources that a classroom and school may have to actually the human resources that they have. And now you're saying, well, the parent, you're on your own and we can give you some, we can give you some advice through a video conference call and the parents are going, the accommodations ask for a person to work with my child, ask for a special technology to work with my child. There's so many things you're bringing up so many areas and when you talk about uh, special ed and just the vastness of what that means that's a huge huge concern yes yeah, so i would love i would love to see a district that's excelling right now a oh, district or a school entity private school public it doesn't matter to me one way or the other but i would love to just to get my hands on a plan that's pretty successful um to see what it looks like uh i, I would i would i would love to see that because i i just haven't haven't heard the conversation haven't seen any documents but that's that's one i, I would love to further to you'll further see explore. gaps unfortunately because we've seen this it just looks how we see trends you're going to see gaps when you talk special ed in the social economics if if we're doing well, if the school district is doing well in a high social economic area, the special ed resources and how they roll out that plan will probably be all right. That's where we're gonna see gaps and that's unfortunate. And we really need to start thinking about that now. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's an extremely important topic that, that school districts need to communicate that plan, develop the plan, communicate the plan, and ultimately find more resources. It's gonna take more resources and creativity to figure out how do we do this special ed well and make sure that the accommodations are in place when we're virtual.
I got one more thing as we start winding this thing down. When you think of what's the plan for, for all the parents out there listening, whose students who um, utilize the yellow bus service for transportation, you gotta start having that conversation with your district. Like what are y'all doing about bus service? Because it's really hard to um, social distance on the yellow bus. And in reality, it will cause uh, many districts to use a lot of buses just for one route. So some are looking at eliminating busing. Some it's a lottery if you get the bus. Um, that's one I don't honestly have an answer for. Like, I, I just don't know how you do it outside of paying to get more bus service. That one's that one's tough. That one's tough. Like, are we missing anything on that one? Because I'm confused. Transportation. I there has to be a window of opportunity here that that no one has discovered yet, because you're you're right. The yellow buses. I was looking at stats out of uh, I think it was New Orleans, and and then another area might have been uh, L.A. But just the number. The sheer number, if you took the cost of what it'll take to social, physically distance students on a bus and running those routes, it would devastate districts. And some are still thinking about doing it and where they save money in some other areas, they, they feel like they wanna put it towards that. There needs to be innovation in this area and go, we need to have students get to school how can we do this in an innovative way? You think of what we had, we have SpaceX now, we have Uber, we have self-driving cars. Where's the innovation from the yellow school bus for students getting to school? That's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm, I'm confident that, optimistic that that'll happen because the cost would be too much. We may have to bear the cost initially until someone sees that space as attractive enough to innovate. So help me out. So a typical bus is what? 55, is it 55 students? 55. Somewhere around there. And then you have like the smaller buses. Well, what are you trying to figure out? You're trying to figure out cost. Or you're trying to figure out what it would look like in your. I'm I'm the cost. I, I know the cost is going to be there. I'm just trying to figure out like how many kids, like so 55. Well, you just. It, to make it simple without getting in the weeds too much, you go, you really are reducing everything by, you're going to a fifth or a fourth of what you really had. So if you had 55 on the bus, you're going to 15, you know, so. Ooh, that's some money. That's some that's, money right that's, there. That's why I feel it'll, it'll be an innovation happening. But in the short term, it's going to have to be addressed. Good luck. Good luck with that one. That's a tough decision because that's some serious money right there. That, that's some that's some really powerful money floating around and you know, getting the even yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 That that yeah, I will we gotta keep an eye on that one and special education. All right, Steve, that's all for me. Anything else you got? No, I think we can uh wind it up. Um I I guess my last call to districts would be is 
just let let people know the plan let the stakeholders the families the community everyone is asking the same question you get together at starbucks you're getting together for a meal with the family you're getting together at a reunion the same question always happens is what's happening with your child this fall how are you handling that yep and the schools that are are the winners are the schools that are giving the information to the parents and so that parent can just repeat what the school's saying. We're excited, uh, where our teachers are working hard and here's our plan. And give it to the parents and let the parents be your cheerleaders and your advocates out in the community. That'd be my last bit of advice. I completely agree with you. Uh, no disagreement there. All right, when we close out our show, we always give out some shout outs or we ask you to pay particular attention to certain things. So since this is our, um, our, our first one that we're doing on Facebook Live, uh, I want to give a shout out and steer you to the direction of the book Superhero Educator. It is on Barnes & Noble right now. It's on Amazon. Get it at Amazon right now. Uh, if you don't know, myself and Dr. Gurner, we co-wrote that book. And it's a special book because it goes over 15 qualities that make a good educator. So this your first time ever hearing from us or seeing us, uh, that might be a book that you need to read before the school year starts. Also, we just want to make a, a comment. I don't know if this is good or sad, but this is the first week since March. This is last seven days of where I did not know anyone that caught COVID-19 or died from it. This is the first week mm. since the end of March. And so, in my world, hopefully we're turning a page that, you know, it's a good, we talked about school, but, you know, we got to talk about life. Hopefully we're turning a corner on people uh, getting the, uh, getting the COVID-19 and people dying from it. So I just wanted to point that out. It's this, like the last seven days, it's the first time no one caught it, no one died from it. So let's, let's, let's keep this going. Steve, I'm going to turn it over to you. Sure. It's very important that our listeners get connected to the Center for Urban Education Ministries. The Center for Urban Education Ministries. You can get connected at www.cuemnational.org. And what's extremely exciting, watch this, Eugene. I'm ready. I like that. I like it that. It trickles down. It goes up and trickles down. That means big news, big news. There is a fall professional development series happening sponsored by the Center for Urban Education Ministries. And I'll give you one date. You can see all the dates on the website, but the first date, I'll give you that one, August 19th. And the topic is promoting inclusion and equity in our online environments. So nothing's more important right now than that, that issue, right? Promoting Inclusion and Equity in Our Online Environments. And we have Dr. Sharla Berry out of California Lutheran University is our presenter. And it's going to be a fabulous and informative show. So definitely want to get connected to that professional development. It'll be done through Zoom technology. So go on www.cuemnational.org and get more information. How do you register? How do you get the information? and get connected. Steve, we also, 
Like we'll be shortchanging ourselves if we didn't just talk about this for a few seconds. Steve and myself are educators. For those who don't know us, first time. First time hearing us, first time seeing us. Um, we've been up and down the ladder in urban education, suburban education, and higher ed. Um, so we, we, we take this, this fight personal. But if your school or your entity or your business is looking for a professional development in equity, inclusion, equality, cultural relevance, diversity, look no further than Steve or myself. You could book Steve. You could book me. Or you could book both of us. But we want to put that out there that um, we do do that, and we've traveled all across the country giving PD um, individually and together. So we want to make sure that that's on the table. We don't talk about that a lot because we assume that you, you know us. But for those that don't know us, like we, we, we do it. Uh, we get requests all the time. And this is not no PD sessions where your board is, is, is very interactive, highly engaging, at times controversial. We, 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 say, we say the things and do the things that people are thinking but are afraid to do or afraid to say. So, like, consider that when you book us, like, we're going to bring it. Like, we, we absolutely are going to bring it. But that's something that you need to know about that we often, we should talk about it more. We assume you know us. But for those, this is your first time, we're just giving you some information. What you want to add to that, Steve? Yeah, that's it. I'm well stated, well stated. Honest, real, very engaging. We're, we're teachers first and foremost. And um, definitely have our heart and soul into what we're doing here in, in our space. So thank, I want to thank everybody for listening and being part of it. All right. On that note, there's, on that note there's nothing else left to say for this week. We will see you next week. And we are out. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.